Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Check out our blog at DIYMoney.org. That's DIYMoney.org. Now, enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back. You're listening to DIY Money. Yeah, I always feel like there has to be another tagline there. What else, what else could we say? DIY money. Or you boom, do money yourself. Yeah. What? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Not the creative department over here today. DIY money. Hit us up on the Insta, DIY.money. What's going on in the Instagram world, Daniel? No idea. <laughs> We talked about it last episode. We're recording this episode right after the last well, episode. Come on. And I haven't checked Instagram since then because it's recording on my All phone right. to go on. This is a whole cycle uh, of things. Behind the scenes fail right there. Uh, behind the scenes fail. You're right. We are recording this episode right after the last one. Uh, we do. We're efficient. Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, so we don't know what's going on in the Insta world, but you can uh, you can hit us up, uh, DIY.money. Tell us what is going on. Yeah, tell us what's going on. We'll give you a shout out. Share the uh, share the uh, posts with your friends. Let them know. I don't know if I'm speaking correctly. What's the correct Insta words? Followers. Followers. Share it with friends your or Facebook. Which followers. Is owner of Instagram. All right. Here we go. All right. What are we talking about today, Daniel? Well, I'm looking at the notes. It says we're uh, talking to Dave Ramsey today. No. Oh. No. I tried to get him on the phone. As people were like, no. DIY what? Not gonna happen. No, not gonna happen. <laughs> No. Yeah, not, not, all right. No. Oh, talking about Dave Ramsey. I gotcha. Yeah, Dave Ramsey. Uh, Dave Ramsey's fantastic. We are big fans. Uh, I have been a, a, a cheerleader of his uh, principles for a long time. Uh, financial money makeover. We Total uh, money what, makeover. Total money makeover. <laughs> big fan. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I uh, read that early on in our marriage. I apply... Many of the principles uh, today, as I am speaking with people, uh, many of which don't you apply? So I don't. Uh, you know, Not he's to get on a, right. no. I understand. Uh, it, this was one of those things where he he pursues what's called the envelope system. Mm-hmm. Uh, not at all realistic for me. Um, I I do something similar, but but I do it virtually. Is that because um, you don't like cash or? So yeah, I think we started and we would get a paycheck and we would go and literally cash it and do it, and it just became annoying and not realistic. Sure. I, I again, I try to uh, take practical steps. So I'm somewhere between that. That is definitely the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, no question about it, but. I, it's for for us just not practical. Now the flip side is um, I'm not to the point where or I've tried it and I don't like you know for example using Mint or something like that to you know budget uh, or the last one um, personal capital. personal capital who still sends me email. I told him hey I'm an advisor we talked about him on the podcast yeah, don't don't, don't yeah they send me constant emails um, but. So I'm I use the Google Sheets. Uh, I you know when I when I have money that that comes in, if I'm paid, I I would say my virtual envelope is is putting it on my Google Sheet. So for example, um, if I know that my I save for one of my children, as you know, has some special needs. I we can talk about this on another episode. I use what's called an Able Now account. There's some special tax provisions. And money comes out of our bank account for him on the 20th of the month. 
and I accrue that amount in both the paycheck on the 1st and the paycheck on the 15th. So when the money comes in on the 15th, I write it in. So I say um, Aaron's ABLE account, and I put that amount just as if I had dropped it into an envelope. Okay, so I deduct it from the amount that's there, so I'm not going to spend it. Uh, and then when the 15th pay comes in, I, again, put another one. I say Aaron's ABLE account, so now I have two payments. And then on the 20th, that is deducted from my bank account. So basically they went into my envelope and they took it. So I'm not going to do that in cash. And so how do we get on this subject matter? I have no idea. You talk about what about we do. Right? And okay, so well, I don't, you were really hesitant at the beginning. You were like, I like most of Okay, so I don't uh, like that. Fair enough. We're, but you're good at tracking. I'm a tracker, yeah. And so what I think Dave Ramsey was talking about is like the people that we run into sometimes when you start helping out with budget. And the what resonated really well when we talked about budgeting on the show was, oh, you have to start with tracking. What's tracking? How do you track, et cetera? And so I think people who have never either tracked before or where that's a struggle or are like, what's Google Sheets? Um, for those people, the cash envelope system probably works well. So uh, regardless, it's a re good example of finding what works well. Regardless, a system, a sure. system for tracking money and, and spending that money. So knowing where it goes mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I don't like how, you know, there's no leading up to the budget. So the reason that I started the 30-day uh, uh, sort of challenge of tracking all of your expenses was to start developing a budget. And that came not just from me and my personal experience, but now when I talk to people, they're like, we tried to start a budget, you know, we sat down, we looked, and again, it's this whole discouraging. So all I've done is I said, hey, I, I like many of the principles, many of these techniques. I like to maybe change them. And then certainly, look, I, we're financial advisors, we're registered, we're licensed, so where Dave goes up to the investment world and says, hey, buy a growth fund. I mean, that's his mantra in the investment world. And I get it because he's not a registered advisor. He can't say, you know, here's what I would do or, here, you know, he, et cetera. I certainly would go a step further. I, you know, we prefer index funds. We prefer, uh, you know, um, not just buying growth funds for 20 years. We prefer the target date return fund. So, again, there's a little bit more regarding the overall uh, investment strategy. But I'm with them on term insurance. I'm with them on uh, paying yourself first. Uh, I'm with him on on what I call fast cash, and he is, uh, you know, baby step number one. I think in his thing is have a certain amount of two thousand or three thousand. I don't know what uh, money set aside. I'm a I'm a fast cash. Have a thousand dollars aside, et cetera. So a lot of the principles are same. Here's an area that is many times up for debate because of the math, but I side with him, and I am a big fan of it, and that is what he calls a debt snowball, a debt snowball. Uh, it's very simple. The old adage of paying down debt and the way people would, many people still look at this today is after they list all of their debt, they look at the highest interest rate and they start tackling that one. That makes a lot of sense mathematically. They're paying the most interest on that specific debt. So let's get that specific debt gone first and then tackle the others. Makes perfect sense mathematically. Makes perfect sense mathematically. The problem is, however, that what if that specific debt is the largest of all the debt you have? So what if you have the smattering of, you know, uh, $2,000 on a Lowe's card and you have 
$3,000 on a Coles card. You have $2,000 on this, this one visa. But then you have $25,000 on this, you know, Discover card. And the Discover card, and I'm just guessing. I, <laughs> I have no idea what these rates would be. But the Discover card's 8.9 and everything else is 2.4. And so you look at that and you go, you know what? We got to really mathematically, and this is common sense, we should tackle the the 8.9% one. And usually what happens, this is a little going into the weeds, but many years prior to that, you sat down and you looked at all your debt and you said, oh, we should roll this into this 0% interest from Discover and and combine all these debts. And we're going to then no, we're not going to have any more debts anymore. And you did that, except you didn't pay it off. And now it's no longer zero. And now it's the, the highest rate. Yeah, right? They didn't have the discipline. They didn't have the discipline. And there was no strategy. Maybe it was just like, oh, the, the interest is killing us. At least let's some you heard a you heard a podcast. You read an article. Let's roll. Or you took advantage of some deal, whatever. OK, here's what he calls the debt snowball. And I think it's brilliant. Tackle the smallest balance first no matter what the interest rate no matter what the interest so zero one percent two percent just pay it off makes no difference tackle that first and then take that payment that you were applying towards that specific debt and apply that to the next highest balance snowballing the payment along the way so for example debts a b and c uh, debt A has a payment of $50. Debt B has a payment of $150. Debt C is your car. It's a payment of $500. Okay, whatever. After paying debt A off and paying the minimums on B and C, you now take the $50 that you were applying to A and you add it to the $150 that you're applying to B and you've snowballed payments A and B together to start tackling payment B. So the entire time you're paying off debt, you're not reducing your monthly payment at all. Though you're paying stuff off, you're basically committing to, we're going to keep making this amount of payment. That's exactly right. Now, why would you do that? Yeah, because, I mean, you pay off debt A party time, right? I mean, you got 200 more bucks a month. Well, I was going to say, what, would why, think, why right? would you not? Why would you snowball? That's a good, I, yeah, I guess you could. What I was saying is, why would you do that as opposed to the higher interest rate? Oh, you're going that route. I was going that route. Yeah, because ultimately... Um, yes, if people are asking why would I snowball that payment on the other one rather than having a party, you probably should switch podcasts. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, why don't you address that a little bit, Daniel? Why would anyone then, if it's if it doesn't make mathematical sense, because think about it, if you're paying a higher interest rate, you're paying higher interest. So dollar amount, more is being paid each month. So less is being paid to the actual balance. So why would you then take a smaller amount? and pay it off that has lower interest maybe than the higher interest rate one? Why would you do that? Because 93% of the time, psychology will always trump math. And 97% of statistics are made up on the spot. Exactly. <laughs> I knew you were going there. All right. So but literally, we don't, though, we don't have the statistic no. behind it, but, but, but extrapolate. Extrapolate. So mentally, most of us cannot emotionally commit to math for the long haul. So uh, what might be smart to do, because it looks good on paper, is very hard to follow in the long run. And this, this is why uh, most people's finances are in the state that they are today. 
Uh, and it's why most people don't have enough saved for retirement, because even though you might sit down with somebody at the start of your 401k plan um, or any other type of retirement savings program, and they go, okay, mathematically, all you have to do is set this, side of this uh, much away uh, for the next couple decades of your life and you'll retire fine. Things happen, and uh, psychologically, you cannot commit to what mathematically makes sense over the long haul. What you need psychologically and behaviorally is small wins. You need that dopamine release in your brain that goes, you know what? This is working. It's like, you know, the weight loss journey. If if you are working out and you're starting working out, the toughest part is when you're not seeing results, but inside you're getting healthy, right? Inside your muscles are starting to develop, your cardiovascular system is developing and so forth. That's the, you know, paying off stuff by, you know, highest interest. Um, what you need psychologically, especially when it comes to money, tossing your hard-earned money at debt, which feels like you're just taking it and throwing it in the trash or burning it, you got to have a small win. And so paying off that very first small one, no matter what the interest rate is, is going to make you look at yourself or look at your spouse or whoever you're doing this journey with and go, you know what? We can do this. And let's keep that momentum going. Do not ever underestimate momentum. There is a, uh, a lot of books out there uh, that discuss this again in a we talked about last episode in a very similar fashion to personal development or or success, and it's sort of compounding your your wins. And in the beginning, it, it is very difficult to see uh, the results. However, if you and just as Daniel said, if you can stack some wins and compound that, then your momentum will pick up such that you'll be able to tackle greater and greater challenges. And there isn't a, I wish there was some sort of mathematical way to quantify that, but I, there isn't. Because again, mathematically, if you went to most advisors or most folks and looked at the math and you said, well, you know, your car, uh, for whatever reason, has a 9.9% interest rate and this uh, Discover card has a 4.9. Uh, the car balance is 27,000, and the Discover card is 4,000. Well, let's pay off the let's pay off the car because it's got a higher rate, and then we'll tackle the Discover card. Well, that's going to take you at minimum just because of the balances five times as long, five times. Okay, over the course of that period. You may become discouraged, frustrated. There might be another emergency, whatever the case is. If instead you were to tackle paying the car payment and no more and tackle your smaller debt first, thus taking that debt payment and applying it to the car, psychologically, you would feel much better. I see this a lot of times when people have debt and yet are making additional mortgage payments. It makes no sense to me. So they're applying more to their mortgage payment, and it could be $100 or $200, and that, that makes them feel better. But the, the longevity of that over the long term, paying down that house with that additional $100 or $200, is, is not, I mean, it's not even close. It's going to take decades as opposed to taking that. Now, again, this is people that have additional debt. They have some credit card debts. They have an auto debt, whatever. Instead of taking that amount and applying it to a smaller debt 
to knock it out. And the minute that is knocked out, once all the rest of the debt is, look, if you want to pay your house off, once all the other ancillary debt is paid off, take that entire amount that you were paying and put it on the house. I'm telling you, it will expedite the house payoff process like you wouldn't believe. But the debt snowball is real. And I'm going to add another thing. And this is a big deal. People often come to us, again, just because of our line of work, and they have, this is excess capital. Now, this is not your retirement savings. You Let's assume you've got the 401k, you've got the, the, the retirement savings in order, you have your uh, three-month you know, budget uh, area, et cetera, and you are inquiring about additional savings. So you think to yourself, look, I've got this additional money. Now, Daniel and I may even differ on this, and that's okay. My philosophy is that additional money should go to pay off the house. And I believe that's where Dave Ramsey would fall. I believe not sacrificing retirement savings. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe that additional money should go pay off the house. Now, why? Why would I say that? Well, let's look at the math. Here's what the basic, here's what somebody's going to say that's trying to sell you something. They're going to say, look, your house is 4% and you get a deduction on your interest, depending on what state you live in. You get a deduction on your interest. uh, And so you might be paying an effective rate of three. Uh, Let's just use round numbers, 3%. Well, you can get 10% in the market. So historically, that's so much better for your money. Here's the problem. Do you know why most people buy high and sell low? Do you know why they do the absolute reverse of what they should do, which is buy low and sell high? It's because when the emotions are high, the rational decision-making goes out the window. Here's from my personal experience one way to assist in keeping your head when the emotions are high. Have no debt. That's right. Instead of being worried about losing your house because you might lose a job and not be able to make a mortgage payment, and therefore you're looking at that TD Ameritrade or Schwab account or Fidelity and that money you've socked away, those stocks that you have, and you're going, oh, we should have used that to pay off the house. What were we thinking? Let's just sell everything right now and get out and take our money and pay off the house. And odds are the reason you're thinking that is not because the market's at all-time highs. You're thinking that because you're going through losses, The market's declining. You're opening up your statement. You're wondering why you're putting money there and you shouldn't be, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're making a decision based on the short-term movements in the market instead of your long-term goals and objectives. So despite what the math says, it is my opinion that discretionary income that people are considering investing should be used to pay off any and all debt before they start doing investing with discretionary income. Daniel, what are your thoughts on that? I'm curious. Yeah, I uh, I would differ from you definitely on that. And the reason for that is, is what you alluded to, I think, uh, when we were talking about paying off your mortgage while you were paying off other debt is the fact that most people chipping away at their mortgage, it's just going to take a long time uh, to really fully pay that off more than likely. And so uh, what I would encourage now, this is given the fact that they can uh, mentally and emotionally handle it It may not go all in stocks, but I would put that in some type of 
designated account. And so that could be a savings account making two, two and a half here uh, in the United States right now is what you can find um, online. It may be in, you know, safe treasury bills, or it may be in a mix, you know, uh, 70% uh, treasury bills and, and 30% stock, a relatively low risk allocation, if you will. But I would make a payment into that as if you are paying um, extra on your mortgage and let that accrue. And then if you come to a point in three, four, five, seven, ten years where the amount of that account and the amount on your mortgage is equal, then I would transfer that over and pay off your mortgage. And the reason for that is, is because along the way, uh, you are going to have uh, bumps and so forth in the journey and having that cash available uh, may be more beneficial than having it stored up in home equity. So for instance, uh, one of you loses a job, if you have that stored up in an account that is your essentially home equity account, you know, that savings account that you're kind of storing up for paying off one day, you can continue to make that house payment without fretting. And you're essentially doing the same thing as you would have been doing before. You're transferring it from your home savings account into uh, your mortgage payment. And so if the interest rate on there is m difference between that savings and, and your uh, mortgage is minimal, as it would be in today's world, then I think you can follow that approach. If you can be disciplined, you're not going to tap that for vacations, uh, you know, going out to eat, spending and so forth, which is, if you've gotten all your other debt paid off and you're down to your mortgage, I, th I think you might be able to do that. Well, let, let me clarify, because there's a couple of things that I want to touch on there. So you're talking about ancillary money sitting in a, a savings account. So I'm talking about an investing account. So uh, I said, or a 30, 70 portfolio would, you know, something I'm not recommending that obviously yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know personal situations, risk temperament, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Sure. Right. Um, but I would say getting something, you got to get a return. So don't right. stick it at the bank where you're getting 0 0.05. Sure. Um, so if you don't want any risk at all, if you can't emotionally handle that the stock market will go down 20 to 25 to 50% someday, and you can't bear any of that money going down, then put it in a savings account or uh, your country's you know, government bonds if you don't live in Brazil. Canada. There we go. <laughs> Hello, Canada. Uh, Australia. We have a lot of listeners in Australia. Wow. Yeah, good. we do. What's up with that? Now, I think they're pinging IP addresses. No, no. Seen. We got a lot of followers from Australia, oh. too, on the Insta. Well, we may have to go down there. Down well, there we go. We're Hello. the shrimp on the barbie. Every day is a good day in Australia. G'day, Paul. G'day, love. Um, so I'm saying put it in something. Um, now, if you can allocate that into... Uh, you know, an investment account where you're mostly in a fixed income, CDs, savings types products, and you give it a little bit of exposure to overcome inflation, then that difference in interest between your mortgage and your savings is going to tighten up. You're not looking to really overcome it, it, In my example, you're not looking to overcome your mortgage interest. You're just looking to close that gap so that over time, this account is basically keeping up um, with what you would have basically saved by paying down your mortgage. I, I think we're on the same page. I think the summary is what what I am fearful of is irrational decisions because of market fluctuations. So however someone however someone sort of figures that out, mm -hmm. whether it's a savings account, whether it's a 50-50 or a 70-30, whatever the case is, but what I have seen is when people build up an investment account, and again, everything looks good in the rearview mirror. So you're looking now at the market over the last 10 years and you're going, oh, if I you know, just socked money away, then I, I'll have you know, 10%. The problem comes when, you're, when you do have that money away and you're starting to take hits and you, it's scary and it becomes emotional 
and you're self-directed in an index fund or whatever, which is perfectly fine. Uh, and then you start going, gosh, you know, we just lost 20%. And and the fear is, or the, the challenge is, you have to be disciplined enough not to then say, to, to throw in the towel, right? So to go, forget it. I'm And that unemotional decision, because odds are that's the time you probably want to rebalance and put more money in equities. So I guess you have to know thyself, right? And we talk about this a lot. I know for me, this is me personally, that my personal investing, okay? So my retirement accounts, very passive, very index oriented. Um, but my personal ancillary investing dollar uh, uh, investment strategy uh, improved leaps and bounds with no debt. And the reason was, was I didn't have fear. You know, when, when markets were down and said, and I'm an advisor, but I'm being, I'm being real. I'm being, you know, truly honest because I see this and I understand this. And when I had no debt, I could say, no problem. I can stomach the fluctuations. When I didn't, that was a little harder and it made decision-making that much more difficult. So however you do it, what you don't want to do is set yourself up into a situation where you're making irrational decisions because of short-term market fluctuations. I think it's safe to assume that, or safe to say that, that that's what we're both saying. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. We're in the same ballpark, different vehicle. That yes. doesn't make sense at all. What did he say? Same church, different pew. There you go. <laughs> sure. And we're 25 minutes in, so we got to wrap her up. We're done here. All right. Thanks. See you next yes, week. Yes, we'll see you next week. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do it for a very long time. Make it a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to check out all that we have on the blog, DIYmoney.org. And if you haven't already, leave a review so your friends know that this is a show worth listening to.